Hey guys, welcome to episode 18 of the JV Club. I am so happy that Maria Bamford is my guest for this week's podcast. She's just somebody that I've been a fan of for such a long time and um, just sitting across from her, <laughs> it feels really good. I For any of you who have not had the opportunity to have Maria Bamford in front of you, just know that I was cherishing and enjoying it for all of us and um, if there's a way I can get her in front of you, gosh darn it, I will because she is a joy to behold. And this episode, I just want to give everybody a heads up. It does deal with some pretty sensitive subject matter. You know, you never know exactly what you're going to talk about. Um, at least I don't. I, I, I have parameters in mind and stuff I want to cover. And sometimes it just kind of takes on a life of its own and in a way that I have come to love so much about about the podcast. And it sounds to me from your great responses that you guys feel the same way. And this is this is one of those. We didn't talk that much about adolescence. We certainly did cover it in a, in a, in a way, in a very specific way. Um, but I feel really honored to have had this experience with Maria, um, where we both talk about, uh, for the most part, mental illness. Um, something that we both had a fair amount of experience with. I also want to, so I really want to thank Maria for sharing that. And I want to thank you guys for listening. And um, I want to thank my parents because <laughs> I do talk about them a bit in this podcast. I always do. But in this particular case with sensitive subject matter, um, I just appreciate their understanding. They really get that sometimes you want to talk about them along with yourself and that you're telling their stories as much as you're telling your own. And sometimes that can be tricky. I also just want to remind everyone that Maria and I aren't experts on mental health. Um, certainly we want everyone to get help if they are in need of it. And I, I encourage anybody who wants to reach out to me to feel free to do so. But we're not experts. And I don't want you to take this as clinical advice on anything. You may completely disagree with stuff we're saying when we talk about what makes us angry or what makes us encouraged or anything like that. And um, there are also some snarky things that we say. And I hope it's clear that we're kind of laughing and whistling in the dark a little bit on this episode because it's, it's tough stuff to talk about. Um, that was a very long uh, forward, if you will. This is not a book. I don't know why I said forward. But I wanted to also get some shout outs out there. Uh, a few of you have made some great suggestions for some fun games to play and revisiting some games I've played in the past. I, I don't do that this episode because the subject matter ends up being so serious. I don't know how many times I can say that. But um, I wanted you to know I, I'm receiving those and loving them and will incorporate stuff like that more into future episodes. In terms of shout outs on Twitter, just lovely, lovely tweets from um, Mileva. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right. M-I-L-E-V-A, but a beautiful name. But Mileva, Mileva, Benjamin, Ed, Nika, Alzek, Christy, Lloyd D, Nicole Marie, Luke. Thanks for letting me take a moment to swallow just then in between both uh, some of those names. Um, and then on iTunes, I listened. I, usually the last thing I check before I record these inf, uh, these intros is the iTunes feedback. And so I always start the intros close to tears because they're so beautifully written. And I feel so lucky to have you guys as listeners. I'm making so many mistakes on this intro, but I don't want to re-record it because this is just authentically me speaking off the top of my head. So forgive me, guys. Big to the big. Jay, the last man. Ashley, Mark, Word Woman, Two Dots in a Dash. I think it's two dots. Maybe it was three dots in a dash. Chinamite, Amanda, Ginger Girl Esquire, And I'm a Guy, Bav Motors One, God Hates Nags, 
And Emily L., thank you guys so much for your astonishingly beautifully written feedback. And, and that goes to everybody who's leaving iTunes feedback. And as you know, I'll continue to call people out and, and thank them um, as the weeks go by. And uh, wow, really long intro, guys. Thanks for hanging in and thanks for putting up with all my uh, verbal typos. And now please enjoy um, the amazing Maria Bamford. Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the JV Club. I I'm excited to say that this is a this is an oft requested guest that I've that oh. I have here sitting on the couch. Oh, yeah. I've had people write me and say everything that you're doing suggests that Maria Bamford should be on your show, and why hasn't she been? Well, I'm I'm ready and I'm available. I'm almost always available. <laughs> no, you were gone a lot. When I first started doing this, you were one of the first people I wrote. And I, I found you like right as you were beginning, like three months of just basically not being in town, town. at all. Yeah, yeah. But I also sleep a lot. Janet. I sleep about 12 hours a day. Then I have a one hour nap in the afternoon. There's only a few minutes of consciousness. And um, so, yeah, I, I have to use that time to make sandwiches. And uh, <laughs> I understand. I'm getting a stronger and better sense of your day-to-day life than maybe I had. I guess what I had in my mind, but it really so involved a lot more busy. jet setting. No. Uh, just, you know what? Just shopping, 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 shopping. I just see you out there on Third Street. I just, I love to just get stuff in a bag right. and then take it home and just like, get my dogs to sit on it yeah. so it gets so it's mine yeah <laughs> shortly before you fall asleep on top of it because it's nap time it's nap time. and shopping is exhausting it sure is it sure is i do love i mean there is some sweet high that you can get but you know if you go oh, shopping sure. you'd be there like three you have a diet coke and then you like ride it yeah ride it oh yeah I, that's a dangerous that's a that's that's a danger zone for a lot of i guess probably i should say women i hate to say that only women that then oh, now, now we've just gotten into the women be shopping no. conversation that well, would i mean m- men be shopping too and i think i mean my dad gets a sweet high like uh sometimes he gets mad at my at my mom buying all his clothes, which fair point. <laughs> and um, so he'll go out and shop on his own and he'll go. Oh, he of, shops out of spite. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, because my, my mom is, uh, she, she does things like instead of him buying her presents, she'll wrap a gift that she bought herself and say it's from him. Oh, yeah. And he'll get to give her like his own gift, but it's always like sort of like oh thanks honey yeah I mean it's, it's sweet but she wants to make sure that she gets what she wants yeah but it's, it's like a da- it sounds like it's a dance that he is maybe not as much a part of as some couples if she's just buying them and self wrapping them yeah 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 she 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 loves to shop my mom loves to shop and now I realize I think it's a social thing. Like mm-hmm. she likes to connect with people. And then in order to connect with somebody, you have to buy something. Oh, no. You know, like, 
Oh, it's well, I have business. to get something. And so she has these gift drawers that are like filled with stuff like well, I just this. got this really interesting stationery that's made out of elephant poop. And I just thought it would be really fun for somebody. Someone will want this. There will be some situation in which I will have wished I bought it. So I bought it. I bought it. And she likes to support things. Well, I I mean, I I think it's a a way to um, justify uh, spending money and spending time uh, shopping for things that you don't need. I understand that, though. I understand that you... you I mean, in a way, it's better, right? Because you're, if you are eventually giving it away or, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. rather yeah. than... But I do think... I also think that, like, magazines like Martha Stewart Living and, play, like, magazines like that where I will read them and I will really get... I will read them almost as though I'm going on vacation. It's sort of this thing where I, I read them... And I think a lot of people have this relationship to that kind of lifestyle magazine that... um you know, no part of me believes that Martha Stewart is out doing all of the things that are on her calendar and that she doesn't have a staff of people who are trimming her azaleas or whatever this that's happening. But that's one of those magazines that um, they'll like every few months, it seems like there will be some mention of like, reorganize your present drawer. Now, we all know that everyone has a present drawer where you buy things and you collect them and then you've got the drawer underneath it is the ribbon and paper drawer that you use to wrap these gifts because you never know when you'll be invited to a regatta and you'll need a candle for that yacht. I'm not even sure no, wh- no, what no. half the words I said were, but no, no, you know what I mean? Like the- it, there's, the, there's, that, there's that sort of perpetuation of... Part of being an adult woman is yes. that I need to have gifts ready at gift any drawers, moment. Yes. I could be asked, to, you know, or thank thank you notes. Like some, yeah. my friend, it, he's a gay homosexual, mm-hmm. and he, his boyfriend is always writing thank you notes, like just constantly, just like sending out, you know, like great to meet you, foomp, you know, mm-hmm. just constant, mm-hmm. constant thank you notes and. Yeah, my mom, she had it when I was a kid, she had a gift drawer and I didn't like I am right now, I didn't plan very well like for a friend's birthday party and I just got really anxious and so I went in the gift drawer and all there was was like there was like a history of Abraham Lincoln book. <laughs> I don't know. Which by the way probably proves that he was not a vampire <laughs> as as modern cinema would have you believe. Well, he was I mean he was bloodthirsty. I mean, that's. I'm sure. sorry. He was a vampire hunter. Did I say vampire? Yeah. He's a vampire hunter. Hunter. Oh, he's a hunter. That's he right. hunts the vampires. Oh. I won't be seeing that film, but that is a film that is out that just Oof. opened. Yeah, I will not be seeing. Um, that. I think it was meant to be a spoof, but then my friend actually saw it and said that it took itself very seriously, as if to suggest that perhaps Abraham Lincoln was in reality a vampire hunter. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. not a good sign. So all there was was a history the, of the history Abraham of Lincoln, Lincoln, Lincoln and Angela Sills, her birthday party. She's super cool. And, you know, everybody else brought like, you know, like Rolo packs or like packs of <laughs> um, hair, hair ribbons and stuff yeah. like that. And I was like, oh, okay. But the book was pretty big. So people thought it was like a, an awesome gift because it was like one of those gift exchanges. And, and I, I, and so people kind of like were kind of like, oh, I want that one gift. And then they opened it, and it was a whoever won it was the babe, history of Abraham Lincoln. I hope they 
I don't know what. I have a problem with gifts where I just, I get so anxious that it's not going to be the right thing. Yeah. Like I'll look and look and look. Yeah. Some people don't spend any time with that. They're just like, I just got her a candle and some bath salts. Yeah. And they're, and that feels right to them. And, and that can be good. Or then sometimes I'll get like something like sometimes, like my niece and nephews, I got them all stuff from Etsy, like weird Etsy Love that. hats. Love yeah, that. That was fun. But then the next year, I kind of screwed up. I like got like disparate things. Like I got my niece who's 11, like tickets for the women's roller derby in uh-huh. their town. I just thought, I she think that sounds great. Wanna... Oh, but she doesn't want to. I don't think so. <laughs> Was that more of a, I would like this, so I'm going to give this to you. Exactly, yes. Yeah. 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 It was not one of my, but anyways, I did the best that I could. And um, I will say that the the 11-year-old Janet Varney would also have planned poorly, so rest (laughs) assured, I wouldn't have had anything either. But I would not have had a gift drawer to go to, nor would I have gone to it. I would have wrapped something of my own and given it to that person and I know that seems really sweet but I probably would have pretended like I bought it so I you know what I mean it's not like that's so awesome though too but I, I mean, mean there's so, it's like, oh, there's something no, no, yeah, in yeah. there that feels still pretty <laughs> shitty that I didn't there, just buy something new for someone is there an adult equivalent to that that you still do like well I think I do re-gift stuff but yeah, I don't know yeah. that if, if I re-gift and I guess I guess I'll be honest and say that I've, I'm sure I've re-gifted and not completely specified as I'm handing it to someone. Listen, this was given to me. I absolutely <laughs> didn't want it. I'm giving it to you. To you. Yeah. I've probably just given someone something and not said one way or the other anything and just hope that they assumed that I took the time to go out and buy it. Buy That's it. I'm not proud of that. No, no. I, but don't I've, we all do that? I hope we do. I've certainly done that. Or is okay. said, uh... Uh, it's tiresome, you know, I I don't, well, I was walking out, um, this, this show, yes, um, I'm going to now complain about a gift that I got, um, Great. the champagne is dribbling far too fast in my exactly. mouth and I really need a straw. Don't cut yourself with that giant diamond bauble <laughs> well, yeah, you have yeah. on. <laughs> they it gave us all skateboards, um, as a part of the, you know, to celebrate the show. And I was just like, the chances of me getting on the skateboard and or and you had to put wheels on it you have to oh was you into there was some assembly required some assembly and i was just like so the guy who was uh working outside who was um parking the cars and i was just like dude do you are you interested in skateboarding because he had compensated and said oh that's nice skateboard and i was like i think this might be your day yeah you know your thing but then i felt bad like I mean, maybe you barely got out it. the door with yeah. a gift in hand before you were ready to pass it off. But maybe, and then I thought maybe he didn't even want it and he was just trying to be nice. Like I just, I don't know. My that fr- feels like a short film of following around the gift that absolutely no one wants, but they all feel like they have to take and then pass along. Do you, I bet my good friend Jackie, like she's really good about like being like, nope. I don't want it. Uh uh-uh. uh. Get it my out of my house. My mom's like that too. <laughs> oh my, my mom my mom is the maybe the opposite of your mom. My mom doesn't she's got a very small place and she told me um years ago <laughs> I never talk about my mom on the podcast. It's funny, I talk about my dad all the time, but this is a this is a pretty good gem. My mom told me years ago and she she does this still. She's like, I don't really need you to give me anything. I don't need anything. And everything that you give me that I do keep, I have to get rid of two other things in my house. 
<laughs> she's got to deal with herself yes. where if it's worth bringing in, it's got to be worth getting rid of two, not just one. That is but two things. Yeah, why to be two? more spare? Like you have to like it twice as much as two things. That, you know, basically, is one thing in your home because you're gonna get rid of two things. So she really did scare the pants off me. And now when I buy her something, I have to be extremely certain that it's worth it. Do you like every year? Do you make the cut? Or you know what? I gave her. I give her mostly just like gift certificates to think to experiences like okay. or to for groceries or just okay. things that I know that are super practical. Gonna use it. Yeah. I gave her for, for. I took a big chance um, for Mother's Day and I bought her a canvas tote bag that has um, that's like a big nice kind of sundries bag yeah, yeah, that yeah. has uh, like a a stenciling of a really beautiful paper cutting of Paris because my mom used to live and she lived in France and she's taught French and all this. And, and I thought I'm just going to do it because I think she will use this for groceries. I think she will actually use this. And it was a hit. But a couple years before that, I tried to give her an iPod and oh. because I thought, I don't know what I was thinking because she isn't into that. She doesn't have like a, a cell phone or anything like that. But I thought, oh, she'll want she, she lives in this apartment and there, she lives around seniors and she's sort of the younger one of the seniors. And she's always worried that things are too noisy for her neighbors. So she'll like turn the television off at a certain hour because she doesn't want to disturb anyone or she'll turn her ringer off because she doesn't want to disturb anyone. I thought, oh, if she puts the earbuds in. She can listen to Prairie Home Companion whenever right. she wants and da, 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 da. And so I bought her this iPod and I loaded it up with stuff. And I, I know this oh, is, I'm, so I'm making sweet. her sound like a bad person for not accepting it, no, but no. it was a bad idea on my part because I should have known from all the other things about her that she would look at it and go I don't want this but to her credit she opened it and said I don't I won't I don't want this <laughs> and I ended up giving it to my cousin it was all fine oh, great. Oh, but great. um and I knew it was a risk it was that thing where you're really excited about something but as you're handing it over I felt like I was proposing marriage to her I, I winced I yeah. winced as I gave it. And even as she was opening it, I heard myself. I knew it was a bad idea when I heard myself saying, uh, now listen, hear me out. No, like that's yeah. never a good way to give someone a gift yeah, when you're yeah, already yeah. defending it before they've even seen what it is. That's so, I mean, well, that's so lovely that you filled it with songs. I, I mean, I kind of set myself up for the disappointment though, because well, I should have known better. Well, and I wonder, I mean, I once got an iPod. Somebody gave me an iPod. I didn't know what it was. So I, we talked about I this. Away, I gave it away because I didn't know what it was. We I was talked like, about this. It this was yeah. confusing. <laughs> and uh, so I, I uh, and now, See? Uh, but, but how that must have been at the beginning of the iPods. Yeah, that was at the beginning of the iPods, and I was like, this ah. <laughs> you know maybe i mean had she instead of asking someone to just show you how to use it or anything no, like listen, that no. i don't have time to learn um <laughs> i know it's so silly i, I um i have a have a lovely uh, young co- comedian who's very funny and her name is caitlin kimball and um she helps me out uh basically what she does is just helps me focus uh, I get we it. Sit, it, it she, we sit and then I go, ah, ah, and then uh, she helps me. Uh, but she, she helped me with like a bunch of social media stuff because I was yeah. like, I need more help with that too. Yeah, I just go, I don't know. And then, I, yeah, and then I just deny that it exists. I yeah. just go, 
Well, never mind. Yeah, and I go through pockets where I'm really responsible, which is much worse because then I'm I've made myself available, which I want to be. Right, right. And then I get a bunch of tweets, and then something will happen, and two days will be really crazy. Right. And then I'm just gone, and I've just left everyone to think, what is what is wrong with her? How rude <laughs> that she was there one second and like super engaged, and then she disappeared. And it's just a it's just a matter of like how many hours are in a day, or that lack of focus, or just getting tunnel vision about something else or what have you but yeah and like thinking I just I think tweets I also feel like kind of like perfectionistic like it's gotta be good sure it's gotta be really important and um and it's Twitter I don't think it actually <laughs> has to be very important I think I should remind myself right. no I do follow you and I feel that I don't get that many tweets I don't uh, see no, that no, many no, tweets I do so not tweet. but I'm excited when I see one there's, then yes, there's the pressure there's the pressure because then it's been quiet for a while so you probably it's a, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because if you're not tweeting much then it feels like it has to be important opposed to if you right. were tweeting all the time all the time then I could just say whatever was on frozen your mind. yogurt Woo. sometimes it's really good yeah and sometimes it all tastes the same but they weigh it um, have you ever gone to the weighing frozen yogurt thing? Yes, I used to eat a lot of frozen yogurt, um, and it was specifically because it gave me a reason to get a melange of toppings that yes. should never exist together. Like to be able to say, I, I, you know what? Yes, there is an entire candy bar on top of this right. uh, on top of this frozen yogurt, along with bananas and right. jimmies and gummy oh, bears geez. and whatever else I put on here. And then the weighing is the humiliation because then you see, like, I'm paying $12 for something because I've I've put a bag of candy on here. Loaded it up. Well, that's the weird thing. Like, it's always an interesting population in the froze yolk. It always seems like it's a lot of thin white ladies in there. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what's happening. As we're all trying to somehow tell ourselves that yeah. what we're doing is healthy. It's, okay. it's a healthier. Because I always think that that yogurt isn't anything that it's just like styrofoam and then yeah. so but it's fun so it's like an activity but it's like sugar it's styrofoam sugar, sugar, sugar styrofoam. styrofoam maria I, first of all i this is rolling along so beautifully i'm almost loath to uh put a speed bump in it by asking a, to put some of Child, this in yeah put, put some of the stuff especially about your mom and whatnot Teens. into context and um I'll tell you, I guess I'm not even asking you now. I'm just telling you what I know about you. Okay. You were born in a place in California that I have never heard of and can't pronounce. It's a Navy base, Port Wainami. It uh, sounds, it looked Hawaiian. There was an H and then there were a lot of vowels. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. My dad was in the Navy for about four years in the submarines. And so I was born on a Navy hospital base and it's in Ventura. And I tried to get on okay. there on the base to... Just see what's what. Yeah. They wouldn't let me on so there. So your birthing room. Yeah. But it wasn't. I guess, you know, you kind of got to kind of got to go through proper channels. So it's still an active Navy base. Yes. It seems like a lot of Air Force. I don't know. I don't know why I'm acting like everything's a military ghost town now. Why would I? <laughs> Ever well, since world peace was declared. Right. What am I basing that on? Yeah. And then moved to Florida and then grew up in Minnesota. So um, when were you when did you get to Minnesota? I know that you were there by 11 because I like, went to your Wikipedia page, yes. which may or may not be true. No, no. Well, uh. I don't know. I haven't checked it. It's a, I was three, like three. We took the train from Florida all the way to Minnesota. Oh my. And we, um. That must have taken like four weeks. It was like four weeks. And my sister kept telling me that if I pressed this button in the railroad car, that Donald Duck would come. 
And I spent like the whole time like going, would that be a good thing? Or would that be a bad thing? (gasps) (laughs) Did you ever press it? I think I must have. And then it didn't happen. I think there was some. Wait, back up. It didn't happen? It did well. What exa- kind of? <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, my sister had a tendency uh, to lie. Damn, she's no longer that sad. Um, but um, yeah, where she- did she get the Donald Duck idea? Just some cartoon, Disney cartoon she saw. I don't know. That's a good question. I've never asked her why. It's so specific. Why that? Why and- it was Donald and not someone else? <laughs> could have been Daffy. Could have been Daffy. It could have been you know Goofy Minnie. Um, yeah, she was a lot of fun. How much old is she? Older? She's, She's older. three and a half years older. Yeah, yeah. So, and she lives in, uh, but she looks younger because she has a heart shaped face. Oh, and, is that uh, the key? Yeah, yeah. I had no um, idea. And, what shape and, and would you say your cheerful, face is? I think. Your face is heart shaped. How dare you? <laughs> but she's, she's also more very. Uh, she's very cheerful and upbeat and uh, energetic, and so I think she seems a lot younger than I am. But she uh, she has four kids and their husband oh. Mark, and they live in Duluth, and they're um, happy as clams. And but I grew up in Duluth. Uh, what were th- okay? Uh, yes. I didn't really become... My sister was the troubled teen. She went through the partying phase. And then they sent us to a a private Catholic school because she was smoking pot. Oh, so you just got the benefit of her activities. Yeah, yeah. And it was very... I mean, I don't understand. My mom really got hysterical about... I mean, I just remember it just being like this huge deal that my sister may have been smoking. It was just like screaming and it was just terrifying. And I was like, or at least what I remember. And, but anyways, but then, um, and I didn't ever really rebel. I just, uh, (laughs) I just developed an eating disorder. Hey, that was your own private way of rebelling against (laughs) happiness. Where's all the ice cream? Uh, Well, you know what? You're, it's, I'm glad that you brought that up because, um, uh, I think you're the first guest that had an eating disorder as a teen that at least they they were interested yeah. or willing to talk about. And I think that's, first of all, surprising to me. I've talked, I've touched on kind of weight issue a little bit here and there with other people. How old were you and what, how do you remember kind of how that developed and stuff? Well, I think it was just a combo of things. Like I, when I was around 10, I started to get sort of suicidal ideation. I started like thinking of like getting really depressed. Ten um, is so young I to know, start having so those feelings. Maria. And I yeah, I don't know. I think yeah, it just was kind of like a serious or like thought a lot kind of kid. And I don't know I mean now I'm you have a diagnosis of bipolar two, the new gladiator sandal. Hey it's Catherine Zeta Jones. <laughs> and um uh I think Jane Polly is as well. Um but I yeah, and so and then I started getting uh really anxious uh socially and had a sort of OCD thing where um I didn't want to spend time with people like because yeah. I was afraid um that I would hurt them <laughs> it's all very no I mean so no, but ridiculous it, no but it, it's that's chemical yeah yeah it was ke- chemical and it felt you, like what, what were you afraid when you say you were afraid that you would hurt, hurt them, them what did um it's um well it's this type of which I just learned about like because I had always had it since I was like 30 uh or, or and and I didn't sorry I didn't get it taken care of or go for help 
for about it until I was like about 33. And, um, this whole time yeah, from yeah. 10 to 33, you were never seeing a therapist well, or on medication or anything, but I would tell them, I tell them what the thing was. And I think you, you have to know about OCD to know specifically about this type of OCD. Like, cause, um, um, what it is, is like, Un, uh, and Brooke Shields talked about it a little bit with her uh, when she had her. I'm just keep dropping these celeb names, but I, uh, but it, but you know what? It it's helps. so helpful when you. That's that's yeah. what that's what this. I mean, that's what I love about what I'm doing here. Not to pat myself on the back, right. but I just get so much comfort from hearing like I'm not I'm not alone. I'm not crazy because I have my. I don't even know if we talked about it. I don't talk about it on the podcast that much, but I had my own. We can talk about my spiral too if yeah, you yeah, want, because yeah. I haven't really talked about that much on my podcast. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Well, but anyway, I love a spiral. Please continue. I love oh. a good spiral. <laughs> so the so the particular characteristic of this OCD Is, was maybe hard to diagnose for right. a, 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 if you weren't really using those terms. Right? It's not not like um the washing hands kind. It's like um the fear of. Uh, doing something violent or sexual usually it's something taboo Mm -hmm. and so that person starts to isolate themselves from other people um like a lot of um women with postpartum depression start feeling being afraid that they're going to hurt their babies Mm -hmm. or try to have sex with their babies or something Mm -hmm. i mean just like horrible stuff irrational the things that make it more powerful is that it is so taboo yeah so you can't tell anybody because somebody's like you just, you know, you're thinking about having sex with your dog and it's like, what? And it's like, yeah. uh, I know it's exactly what I don't want to do. And I'm, you know, I'm yes. spending being by myself, you know, so that was an element of it, but I also was depressed. And then I think, um, I, my mom was always on diets. I mean, like almost every person in the United States. Sure. And so she was on I remember the first diet I went on was Richard Simmons. I had got I had gotten a little chubby cuz I went to violin camp and they had an ice cream machine. Oh. And um I loved ice cream and I just kept going back to the machine. And um who wouldn't so, <laughs> who wouldn't. By the way, they should not have had an ice cream machine for <laughs> no there was no child who wouldn't think I should do this 3 to 4 times a day. <laughs> this seems like a good idea. Absolutely. But then so then I decided to go on this Richard Simmons diet and and, you know, totally because I was a tiny kid, I lost a bunch of weight and then got lots of kudos for it, you know, like danger, yeah, danger, yeah. danger. So young to start with those Thank, but, messages. But I was very fun- functional in terms of like, I mean, the gra- eating sort of got gradually worse and worse. I would binge a whole lot of food, you know, like just eat everything in the house until I was basically kind of passed out. Right. Or, and then the, Next day, either I'd end up doing that again, or I'd go on a strict diet, or I'd run. I was, you know, exercise. I would exercise all night. Um, like my junior of co- t- t- high school, I would exercise all night, and so I was sleeping most of the day during class. And like, what some of the teachers were like, and I think that also was amplified by the by the you know depression and kind of i mean now i realize i may have been having some sort of hypomanic episodes of I like so. like i would get really agitated and like we're like i'm studying right now you yeah. know and get like really hyped and um it is it's like all of those different pieces talking to each other in your brain and everything's just being enacted by you 
What a, well, of course you want to try to control that in some way, however that ends up coming out. Right. And nobody knows what you're talking about unless they've been there. Because I don't know. Like I had a friend who um, in Minneapolis when she, she was like 21 and she just wrote a book or didn't just write a book. I think it was four years. Maria Hornbacher. Mm-hmm. It's called Madness. And she was bipolar one. And when I knew her, like I thought. I didn't totally understand what she was talking about. I was like, ah. I don't know. I don't you know what? It. I don't know the difference between bipolar one and bipolar two. Well, bipolar one, it, you can go psychotic or there's just like, yeah. And there's something where it's like a disconnect where I didn't, I didn't totally understand. And so I, I get it when people don't, you know, understand. Like my parents, when I tried to tell them what was happening, they sent me to a therapist and they did the best they could that they were like, I mean, that I got sent to a therapist was really nice. And, yeah. Um, so, and then that got worse until I went to college and then it became like the addiction or whatever the process became sort of got to this extent where it's like I couldn't function, you know, where I was like, you know, not flunking classes, but just like couldn't leave my dorm room. And, mm. and I was like, so then I called the suicide hotline and they gave me the number to... Uh, some 12 step groups and then that was I got into those and that totally totally helped but I mean I feel like my brain it's just sort of a journey like it's gonna keep (laughs) having new exciting uh, things with it Um, it seems so pat and and gross to try to put this spin on it right away but it is something that you know my neither one Neither one of my parents understood what I went through either. What I had was really, really hard to describe and really rare also. I don't know if I've... I really don't know. It's funny. I've aired so many episodes, but I don't think I've ever talked about it on my my own podcast. I talked about it on Paul Gilmartin's podcast. Right, right, yes. Um, But I... But I, my my thing is... um, My thing is, is similar in the sense that I just couldn't describe it in a way that made sense to anyone so i thought i am definitely going to end up in a padded cell right a hundred percent sure right. that it would just degenerate further and further until there was no reality that i could kind of hold on to um i just, i have something called i don't have i mean i guess i still have it i guess you always have it in the same way you can be bipolar but yeah um i have something called depersonalization displacement syndrome oh, okay. and it's kind of anxiety and it's chemical and anxiety and depression based and sort of fueled but um but it's sort of like panic attacks i guess but um it's this sensation of feeling like you're not in your body and so i didn't um i felt like i was floating outside of my body a lot and so i didn't want to eat food because my tongue felt it's like being really high really 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 high but you didn't take anything it just happens on its own and it's super uncomfortable it's very uncomfortable i mean what happened to me while i was in class i would be sitting in class and all of a sudden i would feel like i was falling through the air while i was sitting in my chair so i would just be sitting in class and all of a sudden i would jolt (gasps) almost like you know when you're falling asleep and you wake up really fast you're like oh where am I, it's like that, but you're awake the whole time it happens, oh kind my God, of. That sounds terrifying. And so, and I would sometimes have to jump out of my seat because the first thing you want to do is run away from whatever that feeling is, yeah. or try to move, or. So I got really claustrophobic. So I, so I. I didn't want to stay in my room, but I also couldn't really go to class because I just kept feeling like I was going to bolt out of the class at any moment and cause a scene. Right, 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 um, right. And uh, and I had this thing where. 
I couldn't, um, I had to hold on to something or touch something all the time because I really felt like I wasn't inside my body. So I had to walk from, it's my sophomore year in college, I had to walk from my apartment to the creative arts building for class. And there was this long, huge expanse of parking lot. And it was just empty except for one light post in the middle. And I would walk with my arms, holding onto my arms, because another thing that happened to me was I felt like my hands would just drip down. They felt like they were made of like rubber, like Plastic Man. Oh my and I God. felt like they would just like drip down and scrape the asphalt. I just had this feeling that my limbs were endless and i and i hated that feeling so i would just hug right. yeah very oh, frightening. frightening okay so i would just hug myself like my arms were always folded i always had my arms and i would just like it was i had to like h- how fast can i get to that light post so i can just touch it, touch it. and feel a thing that isn't on me cuz i feel real weird to weird. myself touch it and then get the rest of the way until I could start touching trees and I would walk <laughs> along the hallways in the hall, touching the hall, like the walls oh, on the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's crazy. I mean, that's no, crazy no. stuff. That's no, like, but, oh, I'm crazy. No, but I mean. That, but it was real. It's real. And like, I mean, I think that's people's brains are magnificent, you know, like. That's just- what I was going to say. <laughs> Actually, thank you for taking me back to what I wanted to say, which was neither of my parents understood that. They certainly were supportive. Right. Um, mine got started when I was around 16 and got way worse when I went to college. Did, who did you try to tell first? I tried to tell. You know what? My mom had gone through horrible depression and stuff oh. when she was younger and I knew that it kind of ran in our family on my mom's side. Okay. And I, I knew it wasn't as simple as depression by any stretch of the imagination. But I think I thought she'll understand this f- inherent flaw in me or she'll get this somehow better. Yeah, yeah. And so I told her and I, yeah, I did tell her first. And she try, she was great in the sense that she tried to sort of tell me this thing that you're feeling, if it's like my depression, I know you don't want to hear this, but it, if you just, it'll just get better as you get older because you'll just understand it better. And I was like, I don't want to hear that. I want it to be gone tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but my dad's, when I finally had to tell my dad, because I did, because I was a wreck. And I right. and there was a period of time between my, my freshman and sophomore year when I was home for the summer where like, I had to like, I would like wake him up in the middle of the night and say, dad, I need you to talk to me. I need you to talk to me and like hold my hand and stuff because oh. I can't, you know, I was a little kid, like yeah, having yeah, a nightmare kind yeah, of, but I'd yeah. wake up in the middle of these attacks. And so his whole point of view as he was trying to be cheerful was, isn't the human brain marvelous? And aren't, and, <laughs> and, and, and aren't you lucky to be so creative and so bright and so sensitive? This is the the cloud the rest of it's a silver lining or whatever you know however you want to look at it but you can't you don't get to have all these qualities that i see in you that are wonderful without a price and the price is that you're highly sensitive and you're fragile in this particular mental way and we just have to figure out how to get you to a place where it's limited or it's you know livable or whatever but don't hate yourself and don't want to die and don't feel that way because all, you know, he's just very sweet That's and very romantic so awesome. with a capital R. Like, yeah. all the great artists have the, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, no, he really no. tried to sort of put that spin and make me, it's so my dad to like still try to make me feel important, even with my mental illness. Right, to be right. like, you should be proud. It's a badge of honor because you're creative and right. bless his heart. But in those dark moments, like, you'll hold on to anything no, no, to totally. feel like I'm not a piece of crap. Yeah. So it was nice to have in a weird way to, yeah, to be encouraged in that way to go, all right, I'm crazy and I'm, I, no one understands me, but maybe that's okay for now. 
Did it help at all with the symptoms then after? No. No. (laughs) The symptoms I had to, I did have to learn to live with. I went on Prozac for a little while. I've been on, I was on a a few different things, but um, it's just a weird disorder that sometimes the best that you can do for yourself is honestly give it time. And and the power started to just, I still have times when I think I'm going to have a freak out, like I feel it coming. But, um, I, I am, I have lived through it long enough that my brain just kind of go, I'm able to sort of have a conversation with my own head and go, really, do you want to feel like this for the next three hours? Or could you just, uh, could we just get skip to the part where it's over and just not have it at all? Right. But that's not true for everyone. I don't advocate trying to just do that on your own. I had to try different medications to learn that there's some work and some don't. And sometimes it's just a matter of like understanding, but I would never say to someone, Oh, come on, you can do this on your own. Like that's yeah. especially with something like, you know, a bipolar disorder or something where there are very specific things happening in your brain's chemistry that you shouldn't be expected to manage alone. Well, yeah, like I, I always, I mean, I don't know if that's a thing about Los Angeles where people are more like, well, maybe it's not a lot. I mean, people in Los Angeles say it differently where your brain chemistry is a moral issue. Like, oh, you know, instead of any other organ in the body, well, I mean, I guess people say blame you for being sick, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. I've just had, I mean, I, I, I was in the psychiatric hospital, you know, because I was, uh, yeah, having a terrible time. And I totally, with, I think that's the thing, sometimes people don't realize how unbearable yeah. Like, it's not just feeling bad. It's like physically, brain-wise, it's like, no, I do not want to exist anymore. And it's every moment, you yeah. know, or or it's coming out, you know. And because, like, sometimes when people say, dep- they're like, oh, yeah, I used to be depressed. I'm like, well, you know, the way you say it, I, I, I doubt, I doubt that. You know, like, I, I mean, but that's, that's totally judgmental. Yeah. But, but I had somebody come visit me, and they were like, um... They go, it just, you know, I just want to let you know, you know, if you want to, maybe this is what you need to do. Maybe you need to, you know, if you commit suicide, that's kind of something that you need to do. And what? You need to go off into the next stage. Of your, yeah, because this person is like sort of a Well, that helps if that person thinks person. that there's something on the other side. Yeah. What if you don't? Yeah, and I, and I think they're trying to kind of comfort themselves as a spiritual thing, like saying like, um, like, you know, if you if you have uh, a stroke, maybe part of you doesn't your brain. You don't want to be in the world anymore. Like people have that Louise Hay sort of philosophy yeah. of um, that whatever illness you brought it upon yourself, and it's all based in some sort of psychology or self esteem thing. And I, I just, I mean. That's a, yeah. Well, I wrote a joke about it, which is that uh, why don't you go bring that ray of sunshine down to the children's hospital? Yeah, nothing gets me. I, I'm trying. I'm hard pressed to think of anything that gets me enraged faster than when someone's like. I know she seemed like the best human being in the world, but she probably was hurt in some way, even as a child, to where she felt she deserved her cancer because she still is responsible for having it. Like, nothing makes me furious faster. Yes, and indeed, to the children's hospital. And indeed, to the leukemia ward of the children's hospital where these children have portals in their chests for their chemo. No, it's like... that That I have seen and thought, I will never complain about anything again. Now, mind you, I still complain about things all the time. Yeah, no, of course. But in that moment. (laughs) Well, sometimes water isn't as cold as you'd wish. Sometimes. You kind of want a 
large. Sometimes someone gives you a skateboard (laughs) on a busy day when you hardly have the time to give it to someone else. Especially the valet. I I mean, mean, to even be speaking to him is you going out on a limb, please. Ay, ay, ay. It was so funny because I basically had to park my own car. Oh, I feel that. I feel that. And the aftershave. The aftershave. Why are they allowed to wear aftershave? Maria, I'm going to back up for a second. I First of all, I know everyone is thinking what I'm thinking, which is like, thank you so much for, for being willing to be sharing all of this, uh, for being willing to be sharing all of this uh, with me. And thank you for, for giving me a reason to sort of talk about my own stuff more because I really don't talk about it that much yeah, yeah. on the podcast. But um, uh, I, I just wanted to ask you really quickly because I know you did play the violin and you were kind of joking about it and stuff. Is that something that you felt strongly about when you were doing it or was it like a thing that you started early enough that it just was a thing you did that you didn't think about much? It was a thing I did they didn't think about much. Like they said, when I was three, my mom said, do you want to take dancing or do you want to play the violin? And I didn't know what a violin was, so I thought I'm going to take that option. And <laughs> dance, I kind of knew... I think I'd taken one ballet dance with the, and I was just, it just didn't seem that much fun. I mean, three years old is so young. Yeah, but that's what they do for mo- a lot of programs, the Suzuki program, anybody a Suzuki kid, you start out and then you play on a, a cigar box and then, and then by the time you're kind of actually conscious of what's happening, you've already gotten so much social kudos for being mm-hmm. kind of freakishly good at something as at a small uh, size. And so... Like I tried to, my sister was able to quit piano. My mom said, and I think this is because I had reached a level where it's like, it's pretty good. So they go, well, you know, you can't quit. You can't quit till you're 18. And so I kind of just kept mm. playing. But the good thing about that is that realizing that, you know, what it's like to practice something and to rehearse and that you, it, it does help to practice and rehearse something, but also that I didn't enjoy it like that i know what it's like not to enjoy an art form (laughs) no i think that makes perfect sense absolutely because like i've always thought like i thought i wanted to be an actor but the truth is i don't understand what's going on like i can do kooky characters and i can do it face to the camera but one-on-one like people doing a scene like i don't understand what's happening exactly and i'm not yeah, and I'm not totally sure if I enjoy it. And it's like, yeah, just do the stuff you enjoy. Do the stuff you enjoy. Yeah. Like, it's funny, though, because I think we both are people. I mean, I think we've indicated just by virtue of describing our mental malady yeah. that we live in our heads a lot. Yeah, yeah. At, like it or not. Yeah. And that um, that it can be confusing to overthink stuff to a degree where you lose track of what enjoyment feels like and means. And I think, especially in this business, you get a lot of people telling you what you should enjoy. And that's very insidious because then you start thinking, I'm supposed to be really excited about this thing, but I'm not supposed to be that excited about this. But I feel weirdly the opposite. And should I trust myself? Should I not? I mean, it's like, talk about... We chose something that enables us to spin and spin and spin and spin more than a lot of other things we could be doing. I know. That's, well, they, I, I read this book called um, 
okay, fame junkies. And it was like, it's, it's like a nonfiction book, uh, kind of doing studies about different studies and essays about fame, and how it is kind of mental illness, like Mm. it is a comfort for people, a lot of people who are in it. I mean, not I mean, not to put myself down, but like to go, well, the feeling I feel on stage of that just sort of like peace is an endorphin thing, you know, like other people would be like, oh, I never want to be on stage, you know, and it's like, I, it's relaxing or, um, yeah, just uh, like that just, it makes, makes more sense. And also the kind of the mania or the excitement of like, um, not knowing what's next. Like yeah. I I kind of like that. I don't I don't mind that I don't know if I'll ever work again. <laughs> like, yeah. Um or I mean I, I I mean I probably do. I did sign up at uh Apple One again this year cuz I thought I did I went into the psych ward this year three times and it was just like I mean, that was like just. Were you, are you talking about at a private facility? Or are you talking uh, about at a, just a basic, basic hospital, like hospital, a Cedars? Yeah, basketball. So you're not talking about like, I always, I, I just like to separate that between like a state institution, which is basically just a horrible prison where no, there's no money and people don't necessarily get better there. They, they get well, worse sometimes. Well, yeah, no, I mean, it's. I, I was at Glendale Adventist, which is a um, that's based on the Seventh Day Adventist. So it's I guess it's private in that, but I think it's for profit. Like I, it was paid for by my insurance, and yeah. they have a lot of Medicare, Medicaid people there. And and it I was, just worry about places that are essentially like shove this person mm-hmm. who can't do anything in there and just get them out of the Forget way. Forget about yeah. Well, the I mean the one thing I mean I advocate going to the hospital for and for for myself, and I'm saying this for myself. It's like. If I'm thinking of killing myself, go in. Absolutely. Because like, I feel I feel like that would prevent a lot of suicides. Is the because sh- at least in my mind, my brain was not thinking well at the time. Was like going, oh, you know, it would just be neater and cleaner if I commit suicide rather than go through the whole rigmarole of going to you know going to a hospital and, oh. and then the forty thousand dollars it's and gonna also, cost i think there's a real i was thinking about this by the way i don't mean to interrupt no. you i i just get real uh, no 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 when it's I'm exciting talking about no, something no. that i i knew mm. Yeah, no, no. I just lo- i just adore you yeah. and that and i and I, we don't know each other that well no, no. but i knew all of this without knowing it yeah, i knew yeah, all yeah. of this was i didn't know but I'm not surprised that any of these things are happening. Oh, but my synapses are all like, no, no, Maria, no. Janet, Maria, Janet, <laughs> Maria, Janet. But I was thinking about this when I was, I was just in San Francisco and I was walking past like, you know, a fire truck arriving. Ambulance was already there. They were pulling out the stretcher. And from what I could tell, and I do, I'm not the person who crosses the street to go see what's going on. Right. I'm definitely not that person. Um, mostly because I'm afraid of what I'll see, but also because I do like to think of myself as like, I'm not a looky-loo. I don't do that. <laughs> However, I did look over from yeah, across the street and go, I wonder what's up. Yeah. Um, in San Francisco, it seems like more often than not, it's uh, like a homeless person or somebody who's, uh, you know, um, indigent and drunk. And sometimes they just pass out and it's unknown. Are they okay? What's going on? Right. Um, so that's, I guess what I was sort of expecting, but instead there was a girl sort of just a girl, you know, like a girl, a woman, our age, maybe, I don't know, twenties, thirties, something, I don't know. But she was, she was sitting on the curb kind of with her head in her hands. And then she looked up and I saw this look on her face and I, I thought, again, I, this is based on nothing. I'm just yeah. drawing this whole huge conclusion, 
But as the fire engine is, you can hear the fire engine, she just looked embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought, and that's what it, what came up for me with the whole suicide thing too, is that when you're in that space and it's not rational, there's a piece of that that's like the fucking the public humiliation yeah, yeah. of acknowledging <laughs> right. my... I'm embarrassed that I feel like committing suicide. Like there's right, a right. piece of that. It's like there's there's so much different stuff going on that going to a hospital. What is it? The middle of the night, and there are going to be people with you know, somebody who has the flu, and then they're like, it, like you're still well, able they- to kind of think about weird normal pieces like that even though you're living in a world of it's better to die, which is not normal. Right, right, right. Well, there's so and there is stigma and social pressure to support that where people go. Hey, you can suck it up, right? Like, yeah. you know, like, well, just you know, because I don't think people are, and me myself as well. Like, I, I don't think um, before I went, you know, got to a point where I needed to go to the hospital. I, I think I was judgmental of people who you know committed suicide, or I was like, well, geez, you know. And it's like, but once I was like, oh, I, I get it. Yeah. You know, it is. It, this is this is not good, and also, I mean, people do get tired of it. I mean, it's compassion fatigue. I have, you know, I have, I get t- tired of myself being super sensitive and all that stuff. And I have friends who are super sensitive. And I go, oh come on, you know, it's it's exhausting to be around somebody who, um, you know, is depressed or <laughs> is um, or does things that are cray cray that are upsetting and and so but then it's like it's also upset upsetting to be around somebody with cancer i mean it's kind of boring to be around yeah. somebody who's like how's chemotherapy today i have to hear about this again i mean you know like it's but there's no, but and, and it's boring and it's uncomfortable and and we're we're all aware that we're fragile and nobody wants to be reminded of our fragility right. or our mortality yeah yeah that we don't like that nobody likes that thank god there are people who are caregivers who are working in hospices and stuff because as much as i feel like i'm empathetic and i like volunteering i'm volunteering because i know i'm going to go to that leukemia right. ward and I'm going to be able to walk away from that experience and not go back the next day uh, yeah, and yeah. feel that all over again. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Well, that that was funny too. Like, just the interesting, like who who came to visit? Because I've been a person who I didn't visit my friends in the hospital. I I did I I did visit some of my friends in the psych ward, but um, but I didn't. And now I realize, oh my god, if somebody's in a hospital go visit. I mean, cause it sucks. And yeah. like, just like d- d- do whatever, cause, because it's, it's so bad. And those, whatever the one hour that the person is there is, and yeah, so I, but it was interesting who showed up, you know, like some of my super sensitive friends couldn't, couldn't do it. But then my friends who are like more partiers <laughs> were like, we're coming over. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. We're bringing you chocolate bars and whatever. They won't let us bring in booze. Uh, but, you know, it's just really they just jumped into it like they would anything. Yeah. No big, no big deal. And did um, you have friends who said, um, did, were they honest with you? Like, I, this is just going to be too hard for me? Or no, did you... they, I don't think... People didn't say it, but I could just sense, like, yeah, they didn't really want to talk, didn't want to talk, or, um, yeah, it's just fright, frightening. And yeah. and I get it. My mom's gone manic. My aunt's gone manic. And I was afraid... Um, I was afraid to talk to them because it was kind of stressful, like, 
like, you know, my mom was going off about something that was kind of cray cray. And at the, and I didn't have that kind of mania, but I think I was really depressed, you know, crying. And it's like, well, that's hard. It's hard to listen to somebody. And, um, yeah, it's just hard. But I, yeah, that's, that's my new, I have my new suicide chunk where I'm, uh, I'm really excited about where it's, uh, you know, if ever you think, but I'm a waste of space and I'm a burden. That also describes the Grand Canyon. Oh, but I owe people a lot of money and everybody hates me. Hello, Europe. Oh, oh, but I killed someone. So have onion rings, firecrackers. Who gives a shit? Oh, but I've done some other horrible, unforgivable thing. There's six billion of us. Google it. Somebody has done exactly what you've done, and they are currently on a book tour. Oh. You're never alone. Because uh, <laughs> like this is why people love you because you're so you're so honest in your stand up, and you. I don't know how you've like your the whole your whole whenever you do like the sort of mental illness or call, and calling to talk to you know yeah the, well, I'm too blessed to be, to be stressed, stressed. Uh, that always especially and for someone like me who I mean you know has gone through it and and it's so it's such a relief to hear it made fun of by someone who knows what they're talking about well, I'm glad you think that I mean obviously not not all not all crowds think of that so they're like. We're out on a Saturday night and we don't have a good time. I'm about to get married. (laughs) What are you doing? Listen, sister, a year in. You know, like this all this material is going to make sense to you. That's right. No, I don't know. I've record it. Record I, it on your phone. <laughs> um, um, let me let, let me ask you this, just uh, contextually, for for t- kind of talking about adolescence for a second. Yes. So so you you isolated. Did you have anyone? Did you have friends that that? Did you have friends that you could? be normal Maria with but not be honest with or did you have none or did you have friends who kind of understood that something was up um no I mean I totally had pals like I'm kind of the same I was you know that I am now you know just like fairly social and uh but I I don't think I told anybody at all what was happening you know that I was I asked friends from high school hey did you know like that I had an eating disorder or whatever. And they're like, yes. Oh, they <laughs> did. But it was never discussed then? Well, because I, I didn't go way heavier or way scrawny. I just kind of stayed around the middle. So like well, when I actually I asked to go through a treatment program, an outpatient treatment program, under, I was still under my parents' insurance. Um, a friend of the family was a guy who worked at the clinic where my dad worked. And so that's where I got get the truth he interviewed me and he called me and he's like well you just look great i mean i just don't understand i was like oh my god yeah. you know <laughs> if that's what you're yeah where do you start you look where do great. you start if that's the beginning yeah, of the yeah. conversation <laughs> um but yeah so uh but yeah i had i had good friends but i don't think i could there's just nothing to be able to talk about it and i think it seems like now there's just so much more openness to, and there's a great, if anybody has teenagers who's listening uh, to this podcast who have any mental illness kind of things, there's this great book, and it's written by Kurt Cobain's cousin, who's a registered nurse. I think she's a psychiatric nurse. And it's called, um, it sounds really depressing, but it, it's called When Nothing Matters Anymore. Mm. And it's this great book with profiles, with photos of teenagers who have, you know, and, uh, you know, whatever their diagnosis was and how they're doing now, like a follow up of how they're doing now. And it just seems like there's so much more support or, or it seems like younger people are like, yeah, I'm schizophrenic. 
Yeah, I have like because people come up to me after the shows and they're like, yeah, because you know, but and which that just uh, that wasn't my experience growing up at all. So it's so it's awesome. I think it's getting better and better. I'm heartened by that, but I just felt like I've turned into that old grumpy lady who's like, there are no, there's no support. There's no role models. It's Kim Kardashian all the time. There's no one who's, I need, I would have needed someone to, I would have, listen, if I, if you were, if I were a teenager and I got to see you go do stand up and talk and do your exact act that you're doing now, I would have felt so much less crazy. I would have felt like, oh, I love this woman and she's. I can relate to that. She gets me on some level without even having met me. And that was a huge, that would have been huge. I mean, in in, in my case, and this come up on the podcast a lot, but in my case, I think it was more sort of music and movies. And and I think what I, what I thought of when you said that about the book and about, you know, that it's okay to kind of say like, listen, I'm schizophrenic. I think that I was drawn to that sort of music and like the goth kind of world because like it was like Robert Smith was clearly miserable or like you know what I'm saying somebody (laughs) was saying listen isn't this hard and I think that exists in the arts for teenagers a lot but how that translates into actual help and actual diagnosis and actual the brightening of it rather than finding a way to sink into it at least to feel like you're not the only one that's like there's a there's there probably was a much bigger gap that is now being closed, I hope, from what you're saying. Yeah, more. I hope so. I mean, I think, I mean, I just think, like, there's another, another great book called Welcome to the Jungle. Um, it's about, uh, it's a really funny book about being bipolar, about um, how to care for, it's just a great book. I can't remember the author's name, but just a woman, uh, just a great book. And there's, um, yeah, like even in my hometown, which it, Duluth's kind of progressive, but they have like a special adolescent psychiatric unit that's like it's it's a home setting, so it mm. isn't um, so much like a hospital because um, hospital it's just it's super depressing. It's depressing how 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 depressing hospitals are. Like you yeah. just go, hey, breast cancer, they got pink ribbons and teddy bears, and the nurses are walking around with funny glasses and. Oh, no laughing with balloons and then it's like psych ward it's like tamp it down in there like got a yeah, there's a big screen tv playing ultimate fighting and then there's a smoke bucket it's like yeah you guys after a while we just stopped repainting because we know the walls are going to be ruined again so just so oh yeah yeah it's so uh, sad but uh, yeah I, i get really and i get passionate about that idea that um you know, schizophrenia is something a, a, a lot, not not all the homeless population, but a lot of uh, that goes untreated because there's no money in it. You know, there's no no schizophrenics or people who um, it's such an unmanageable disease and it's difficult, you know, you know, no one's going to buy that yogurt. poster person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's like, listen, I'm fabulous and I'm schizophrenic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's so so uh difficult i just get i get really mad about that that's, i think that's one that's another one that's um like bipolarity and 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 schizophrenia there are like a lot of crossover misdiagnoses that happen too in that world and in, in the mental illness world in general where i mean i have a girlfriend who was diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic and was oh. medicated as such for years and was w- was the worst for it because oh. she wasn't yeah. And so the drugs that she was on were making her worse in other new weird ways. Right. And that rabbit hole can be really scary where you 
you just hope that you have the right person behind you kind of doing, I mean, and a lot of the time it's, it's not misguided. It's never misguided. I mean, so rarely was misguided, but just to feel like you're in your, when you turn your mental health over as with any, you know, same with your physical body too, but sort of different in a way. Cause there's more mystery involved that you're saying, gosh, I really hope you're right about this and that whatever I'm putting into my body is going to help because... And your brain's all screwed up. The one thing that would help you to accept the thing yeah. <laughs> or help you to believe in it or yeah. help you to take it in is all screwed up. It's, your, you it's the core of what's happening <laughs> is your mind. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, because I, I when I was going through the terrible time, like I, I was looking on the internet, I was on crazymeds.com, which is a really funny... Um, feed where you can people check in and they say what meds they've been on and what med and it's all kind of personal experience stuff and that was super funny and helpful but at the same time like I was so distraught that I couldn't yeah that I just needed to be somewhere you know where I was safe and uh you know because also I didn't want to put the pressure on my family and friends that they'd have to watch me you know because they're not they're not professionals and (laughs) I felt like uh yeah, but and why add to your own feelings of again just going back to the whole shame and that that sort of stuff that kind of creeps into of feeling like I'm a burden, I'm responsible to these people, you know, and that's and, and they're terrified too. Yeah. Like it's like my friend, and you're a like, caring person, so yeah. you want like somehow you want to be taking care of them even as you're unraveling. <laughs> right, like, right, right. Let me right. take care of you through right. this process of me <laughs> wanting my, to kill myself. myself. Yeah, wow, take that's a like layers, I'll man. Dry. That is layers. <laughs> I'm driving <Bye>. myself, <laughs> but but yeah, no, no, I'm totally uh, that that it's um yeah, and it doesn't matter. I mean, I I just and I think the reason I want to talk about it is to tell myself and also to I mean it's very selfish to want affirmation from other people like oh oh I'm not a I'm not alone that um uh yeah that I'm not alone and 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 cuz you feel or I don't know but I I felt like oh I'm this like I'm a smart person like I should be able to figure this out or I've done tons of work on myself like I should be able to fix it and and uh and I just wasn't able like the worst it just got worse and worse and and yeah it's super embarrassing I had to leave a gig uh I was in Chicago and I just I was on this new medication and I didn't sleep the night before and I just like I was walking around Chicago and I lost all my identification somehow. I mean, just totally odd. Like I didn't know what was happening. And I cut myself somewhere and I was bleeding and I just, I got back to the hotel and I called my mom and she's like, you know, come go home now. And, um, and the best part is she said, honey, somehow get to the airport, sweetie. I don't know what you need to do. But get to Delta. Tell them your gold medallion. And tell them about your website. And so it came to pass, as my friend Jackie Kishinawa says. And uh, and I, and because I am uh, privileged and am gold medallion, I was uh, given a first class ticket home. No. 
because I was bleeding and weeping. And, oh, uh, my God. They want to get that person out. That is, they want to get that person seated first so that everyone can parade past them and look down at the bleeding, weeping woman in first Shaking, class. Shaking, trembling. Totally oh, God. You know, that's one thing. I mean, I haven't had psychosis, and that seems, I mean, that seems really frightening, too, but um, I'm... Yeah, and, and knock on wood. But is that is that something? If you if you don't know the answer to this, by all means, yeah. I don't expect you to. But when we talk again when we talk about psychosis, and this is not a mental health program, but right, right. <laughs> um, when we talk about psychosis, are is that something that can manifest in being bipolar? Yes, yes, and also schizophrenia and schizophrenia. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I think I'm not sure exactly what the difference is uh, at all. I don't know. So, but I. I want to say... But that's just a real sort of disconnect to the degree that you may black out in some regard or you may not remember something happening or you may... Just your your whole sense of reality shifts on its access so much, much. Yeah. that it's just not... You can't even get yourself to a hospital because logic has sort of flown out the window. Well, like when my mom, when she became manic, she started saying, I've got to call the Pope. I got to call the Pope. But she was calling the Pope, telling him about things and like calling a bunch of people, telling my manager that I was unsafe and I need to be getting got, got off the internet. And she was kind of talking, you know, kind of like a um, specific goals, like yeah. goal oriented. And she couldn't let go of it and was kind of laughing and cackling and stuff like that. But she didn't. Ha- but then my aunt had a manic episode and she did kind of get kind of like, like a bit dreamy, like like you're an angel and things like that. But then I don't know if schizophrenia is when you really, I don't know if it's a matter of extended periods of time where you have um, sensory hallucinations. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Gosh, even talking about this stuff, it's so funny. I feel my breath start to kind of get short. Like yeah. there's a little bit of a clamp down that yeah. happens where I'm like, Yes, these are all things that can happen to the brain, and and I no, relate, and I'm. It's we're just these the same way. I mean, not the same way, but you know, you're doing something, and you're wondering why your iPhone starts going on the fritz, or you know, this your word like my word program is like there's just the idea of our comp- our brain is a computer in a sense, just kind of this the misfirings and the whole. I think I always think that too. Again, with San Francisco, it's so funny, but. Um, the way mental illness, what the, the way that you encounter it on the street so much in a way that you just don't in Los Angeles. You right. certainly, those of you who live in Chicago and New York and places like that, you see it too. San Francisco um, is where I lived for 10 years. So, and I was living in a neighborhood that was very close to a very poor neighborhood. Yeah. And so I was, I just saw it all the time. And, and I, I always marveled at how the way that the human brain, quote unquote, breaks in such a similar way, even when you're odd and schizophrenic or having like in a psychosis, like the fact that the way it manifests is so frequently that person's having an imaginary conversation or that person has come up to me as though they know me and is acknowledging some conversation we've never had. And just the way it's, there's not to say it's always consistent like that, but just sort of going, wow, it's so interesting how cray cray, quote unquote, (laughs) you know, how it manifests consistency. I don't know. Like, well, yeah, that there is a pattern to it, that it's not just like this 
um, you know, like, well, like that person's crazy. It's like, no, it's a specific thing. Yeah. Everybody, like, um, my friend works in mental health and she says, you, a lot of people who are schizophrenic talk a lot about God, you know, are very religious. And I thought that, and, and I read that in another book that was written by a psychiatric nurse in LA and it was published out of the UK. I can't remember what it is, but she's, she has manic depression and then she wrote about the LA County mental health system. And, uh, I don't know if she got fired for doing that or they had a story about the LA weekly, but, um, yeah, she was saying that all have religious obsessions and, um, like this one guy, I was in the hospital with this guy and he kept talking, quoting from jo- Job, the mm-hmm. book of Job, which mm-hmm. is all about like, you're punished, you're punished by God because he's just trying to test you. I was like, oh my God, well, you've been through enough, man. <laughs> like, you Seriously. You have no teeth and no pants. Oh God. Um, and, so, and, the, and also the paranoia of schizophrenia, yeah. like, like the, the feeling that it's like the worst narcissism you could ever have ever it's not good it's not that you think you're great it's that you feel important enough that everyone is out to get you yeah what a horrible torturous thing to have your brain tell you like people are trying to poison you every time you take a bite of food that person yeah wants you dead dead yeah yeah I mean, that is a nightmare a it, living nightmare. nightmare yeah oh that was i think the amazing it's some of the nicest kindest people in the hospital were schizophrenic people because i think they have been through the ringer mm. you know through this you know and just kind of that acceptance of like one guy was like well i you know i i went off my meds and then i went i went on the streets again and then i guess i'm gonna try to live in this um, like a a house, but I I just don't know. I kind of I kind of want to be on the streets again, and and I, but he would say to me like I'd be wandering around in a circle uh, uh, around the cement courtyard, cheerful cement courtyard, mm. and uh, he'd say, uh, "It gets better." Like every time I went, you know, and I'm like. Oh my God, you're oh. killing me, man! Oh, like, no. <laughs> oh no! But I'm worried because it's almost five. Oh five. yeah! Uh, oh oh oh! Wow! Jesus! I know. I, I totally know. forgot. I yeah yeah yeah. Com- I'm worried. I could not have forgotten more. I actually have an appointment. Yes. Uh, no. Like my God. Uh, uh, this was amazing. We yeah. talked for over an hour. I could talk for another hour. No, this was super um, fun, and it's all my favorite topics. Oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> maybe I can have you back, and we can just continue this conversation. I guess I like to try to. I mean, this is really tough stuff that we're talking about, and I, I, I don't mean to to um, oversimplify it by trying to put a, like, a happy face on it, yeah, yeah. but I guess I do try to end podcasts, even with some of the tough stuff, by sort of saying, like, is there, like, what, is there something that you, I think we talked about a little bit earlier, but is there... Is there something that you derive joy from, even in those moments, or this, even just taking the joy of like, listen, there are people who are out there whose job it is to help you not harm yourself. Self. Yeah, yeah. Thank God that exists, or anything like that, to just kind of give hope for to, to, to somebody who might be listening to this who feels like I get so hopeless, you know? Well, I, yeah, I gotta say, for about six months, it was really, it felt bad like I was and I'm not a person like I'm totally like self-help you know gratitude list but it felt so bad that I just I I couldn't 
like I just couldn't get it. Like I couldn't get it. And I, you know, like I'd hear like the stone is worn smooth, you know, by the, the waters and that's how it becomes a beautiful agate, you know, but I just couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't take it in. But the one thing that was hopeful about that is that when I talked to other people, they said, yep, it was rough for a year for me, you know, and I just, just stay alive, just stay alive. And that's, that's all you got to do. And I was like, okay, you know, and, and even though I didn't believe that it was going to get any better, like, I was just like, this is so horrible. I can't even believe it. Uh, yeah, just, just, stick around and it may take a while which nobody wants to hear that yeah nobody was yeah like I I could say that I I I did there was chocolate cake occasionally at the hospital and there were plenty of lovely people and stuff but I um I gotta say yeah it was sort of a a, you know not Pop, not good feeling. So, and we're also living in a culture. Oh God, I could talk for five more hours. Yes. We're also living in a culture where we're taught that things should happen instantly. So exactly. we're, we're yeah, fighting yeah. that too. You're yeah. being told just stick around. It may take time, and and everything in what we're conditioned to believe is it shouldn't take time. It should be tomorrow. Well, and yeah. and but the hope in the hope existing in that it that's that you if you can survive that that it does and you just keep can. going back like. Uh, the book Madness by Mara Hornbacher was like super, super hopeful to me. Like she's hospitalized, I think three or four times a year yeah. for, cause she, it, it, it's just a really s- severe case. And I just go, okay, you know, like, well, you know what? I, I gotta, I gotta be willing to, uh, you know, be, because, because life is good, you know, and it is, um, and there is, um, it, it, like me, I'm so grateful now. I, I can't believe how much much better I feel. Like now, it's like, I mean, that's that is the gift of it. Of anything is like you just go, oh my god, I'm so, I'm so grateful just to enjoy, <laughs> you know, like writing in my notebook for goodness sake. Yes, yes. <laughs> but it is, and and to and to be able to be in a place where you can some part of you even if it feels like it's not taking it in that someone can say you know what it likes to what you know what it feels like to feel good and yeah. right now making that comparison feels embittering because you feel like you're never going to feel that way again yeah but i know i am not where you are right now and i know better and i can see a larger scope and i can say you can feel that way again if you're willing to stick around yeah just stick around and yeah. it's and it's horrendous it's horrendous and um but it, you know it does it, it will get better. And I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know, at least that's what, what my story was. And I didn't sure. believe that it was going to get better. So, so there that is. Maria, thank you so much for sure. doing the podcast. No, I so couldn't be less interested in turning off this microphone. I know everybody will feel the same way, but thank you so much. No problem. I'm so glad um, it was my it favorite was topics. And I love, was I love your pillows. Which <laughs> She's surrounded pockets. by weird, funny pillows. They're That's really great pillows. That They're important here. pillows that need to be celebrated. <laughs> okay. Um, thanks. And, uh, and guys, as always, you know, please feel free to send questions and comments and, um, and thank Thanks for listening. Bye. As 
As always, the JV Club theme song is Before We Were Brittle, courtesy of the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.